Hello and welcome to the Newsmax Daily for Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. It's the 318th day of the year. Some quick math means there's only 47 more days to go. And today is another very important day on the calendar of made-up holidays. It's World Diabetes Day, established in 1991 by the International Diabetes Federation and the World Health Organization to address the increasing number of diabetics around the world and the burden that it could have on some countries. That was back in 1991. More than one in ten adults around the world has diabetes, which can significantly increase the risks of heart disease, stroke, and death. I've had some diabetes-related deaths in my own family. Horrible disease. If you have diabetes, do what you're supposed to do. It's also Operating Room Nurses Day. Where do we even begin to explain the importance of this job, right, and the responsibility? Kudos to operating room nurses and all nurses who do what they do every day. It is a tough, tough job physically, mentally, and emotionally. And on the food calendar, today is hashtag National Spicy Guacamole Day, the perfect pairing for a Taco Tuesday, of course. Guacamole is so good and so popular, it actually gets two days. Back in September, you may remember, we simply had Guacamole Day. Today is National Spicy Guacamole Day. And a lot of Americans may be skipping the five, six, or seven dollar containers of guacamole or even the avocados to make it yourself. A new poll showing only 14% of American voters believe they are better off financially now than when President Biden first took office. Bidenomics is about building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up. The Financial Times University of Michigan poll found almost 70% of voters thought Biden's economic policies either hurt the U.S. economy or had no impact at all, including 33% who said they believed the president's policies had hurt the economy a lot. Back in November of 2019, 36% of voters believed that they were better off under then-President Trump, and that number seems kind of low as well. The Trump family, by the way, in more Morning today, after the passing of Marianne Trump Barry, Donald Trump's oldest, uh, older sister, I should say, Donald Trump Jr., commenting outside the New York court where he was again testifying yesterday in the Trump Organization fraud trial. I'm very close uh, with her grandson. We hang out all the time, and so it's uh, obviously a, a rough day for that. 86-year-old Marianne Trump Barry, a retired federal judge who lived in New York City. She was appointed to her federal seat by President Bill Clinton. And we have a lot going on today. Security in the nation's capital first off on high alert as thousands of people, tens of thousands possibly participate in a march for Israel. This as the Israel-Hamas war rages on and the death toll of terrorists, Israeli fighters and civilians continue to rise. The big story today is Hamas controlling the hospital that's now been shut down. You'll hear a lot about that throughout the day with our updates from John Huddy and Jerusalem. Correspondent Daniel Cohen. Meanwhile, President Biden approved spending another $6 billion in helping make cities more resilient to climate change. 
not to the massive increase in crime, but to climate change by improving electric grids, water systems, and reducing flood risks. Much of that money will come from the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the Inflation Reduction Act. And President Biden is headed to San Francisco today, ahead of tomorrow's long-anticipated meeting with Chinese President Xi. The big story, as we discussed yesterday, we get more from last night's edition of Greg Kelly Reports. So, later this week, President Xi will be visiting the United States, but not in Washington, D.C. He's going to San Francisco to meet Joe Biden. Meet Joe Biden in San Francisco. Joe's got to go to the other side of the country because, well, it's a bit more convenient for President Xi to go to San Francisco, a little bit closer to China. And... I don't know, but the optics of it are not good for us. You go to see the president of the United States when you're President Xi at the White House. You don't meet him in some city like this. Maybe it's a city that President Xi thinks will be his someday once China invades, which sadly is is not beyond imagination. It could happen. And I don't trust Joe Biden to represent America well, do you? He is weak. He's always ingratiating himself. Look at the big smile on his face. Every time, a huge smile when he's meeting with our adversaries, right? Just one, it's like he's voting or getting people to vote for him in Dover, Delaware, right? Hi, it's bigger than this. It's bigger than him. He can't handle it, and neither can his national security advisor. Can you give us the, the latest on the negotiations or if there are negotiations still underway regarding the hostages? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, John. And I have to be careful about what I say publicly on this because it is, of course, a delicate and sensitive negotiation. All right. So you know what he should do? He should stay home. He goes on these TV shows with nothing to say. You know why he goes on these shows? It's a commercial for future business opportunities. This is about him, not America, going on these shows with nothing to say. Uh, He's the National Security Advisor. His name is Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, NSA. What does it stand for? Yeah, National Security Advisor. You know what he is, actually? Let's call him this. He's an NDA, (laughs) National Destruction Advisor, because we are being destroyed. Not John Carl, but the guy to his left. Yeah, him. Uh, the National Destruction Advisor. I mean, look at it. Every, in every possible way, internationally, domestically, we are failing. We're going down. That's Greg Kelly, who also put together this fantastic montage with the help of his team. Check this out. This says so much, and I'm kind of proud of it. We went through the record and we found, well, how does each man handle China? And it looks like this. I have many people from China that I do business with. They laugh at us. They, they feel we're fools. You know, they're getting away with absolute murder. China's a great nation. And we should hope for the continued expansion. I don't want to lose $300 billion a year to China when we can't afford to build schools for our children, when we can't afford to build highways, when we can't afford to build railways, when we can't afford to build bridges. I want money to be invested in jobs and in this country. I don't want to rebuild China. A rising China is a positive, positive development, not only for China, but for America and the world writ large. It was China's fault. And China is going to pay a big price what they've done to this country. China is going to pay a big price what they've done to the world. This was China's fault. And just remember that.
554,064 American dead from COVID-19. A lot of families want to know how this happened, how it got here. Have you had a chance to speak to any of your international partners, any of uh, President Xi, who I know you go way back with? Have you had a chance to ask him if these reports are true, that China maybe misled the world at the beginning? No, I, I have not had that conversation with President Xi. Thank you. So what's the conversation going to be like on Wednesday in San Francisco when Joe Biden meets with President Xi, huh? You think he's going to strongly advocate our interests, right? Or is he going to be polite and accommodating and very hopeful that President Xi doesn't someday have a press conference and say what he really knows about Joe Biden? We are in a far less safe space because of that man in the White House. I'll be right back. That's Greg Kelly, host of Greg Kelly Reports, which will be back tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax and Newsmax Plus. So President Biden, the president of the United States, the most powerful person in the world, is going to San Francisco to accommodate the president of China, essentially. I know he's going to the Asia-Pacific Summit there, same reason she is going, but the president... President Xi, I should say, should be coming to the White House to meet with the President of the United States, like all the other presidents and prime ministers from every other country do. But on top of that, now on top of that, Gavin Newsom, the Democrat governor of California, who wants to be president, is now cleaning up the city of San Francisco that's overrun by homelessness, drugs, and crime. This is native San Franciscan Kimberly Guilfoyle on Rob Schmidt tonight. It's very frustrating to me. You know, I was born and raised in San Francisco. My parents met, but I love there. I was proud to serve as first lady and it did not look like that. So there's no excuse. If it didn't look like that, then it shouldn't look like that now. Clean up your house. Your house, Gavin Newsom, is the state of California and the city of San Francisco, where he served as mayor. It is unconscionable. So we're going to clean up. San Francisco for a communist dictator to come into town, but we won't do it for the taxpayers and for the citizens. We will allow people to live in filth and feces and indignity, uh, but we only care when a foreign leader who wants to do us harm comes into town. That is disgraceful, okay? Your house should be in order regardless, and you shouldn't make it a priority for commies when they're coming in to clean up, but not when your actual citizens, taxpayers, voters are there living every single day. And you saw what happened with the horrific fires um, on the highway on 10 in Los Angeles as well. It looks like from homeless encampments. Now, they're all of a sudden, abracadabra, Rob, able to find a place for these homeless to go, clean it up when someone's coming into town, but on an everyday basis, Doing the job that you were elected yeah. to do, it's just not good enough. It's not a good enough reason or excuse. You know, and why are so many on the left so unconcerned about safety and security and quality of life in their own cities? I mean, I guess if you want your city, you know, cleaned up, dial 111, a foreign leader, come for a visit, and we'll make sure and do something to make it look real nice. I mean, it's, it's you amazing. can't make this stuff up. It's out yeah. of their mouth. Kimberly Guilfoyle going off on Rob Schmidt tonight, and she took the words right out of my mouth as I was watching it. I'm thinking, you can't make this stuff up, right? The other big story in D.C. is the negotiations, or lack thereof, on a spending plan to avoid a government shutdown. 
didn't we just do this? Yes, we did. Is it going to be more of the same? Yes, it likely will be. And the last time it cost the House Speaker his job. Now we have a new House Speaker. Ukraine will, will come in short order. It will come next. And you've heard me say that uh, we want to uh, pair border security with Ukraine because I think we get bipartisan agreement on both of those matters. Look, the American people feel very strongly about this, and I do as well. And I can tell you House Republicans do. We, we have obligations and we have things that we can and should do around the world, but we have to take care of our own house first. And as long as the border's wide open, we're opening ourselves up for, for great threat. And uh, again, it's just a matter of principle that we, we're going to take care of a, a border in Ukraine. We need to take care of America's border as well. And so, so the folks understand, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Congressman, but um, Speaker wants to separate the funding of the government into two parts, part uh, emergency right now and another part on funding these various conflicts around the world. What are your thoughts on this? And can he get something past the Democrats and maybe, frankly, past the, uh, let's call it the, the far right wing of the party? I'm for single subject spending bills, and I think it is a positive sign that Mike Johnson has resisted what Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden all wanted to do. They wanted to just continue the policies of Pelosi and the spending of Biden and then put as a big $106 billion lump on top uh, a big giveaway to defense contractors and Ukraine with the veneer of border security, but really just more resources to process people into the country illegally. So it's interesting when you watch Speaker Johnson talk, and I know him well, when he talks about our border, he's passionate. He's very intense on solving the problem. Is that enough for you, When he's talking about Ukraine's border, it looks more like a hostage video. Are you willing to to take up and vote for uh, Johnson's proposal? I am not in favor of the continuing resolution that I've currently seen that extends the farm bill lumped into the government funding battle and that doesn't cut spending and doesn't address the border. I think the speaker is uh, is righteous in seeking to have different agencies of government expire their funding at different times. That is creative and noteworthy and ought to be applauded. But I'm looking for a little more. I want spending cuts. I want border. And I'm not willing to extend uh, Biden's spending and Pelosi's policies in the absence of those things. So you think we're going to have another uh, showdown, shutdown showdown, so to speak? Final thought? Well, I hope we don't, but uh, obviously shutdowns become most complex when people start missing paychecks. We don't want to see that happen, but we can't just be held hostage by shutdown politics at the end of the year. We have to roll up our sleeves and deliver on the commitments we made to Republican voters when they elected a Republican Congress. We are not here to just rubber stamp whatever Schumer and McConnell and Biden agreed to. We have to do Republican policy and we have to put Republican priorities first. And guess what? That's not Ukraine. That's Florida Congressman Matt Gates on the balance last night with Eric Bowling. Gates is one of the representatives, you recall, that led the fight against the last spending bill, which led to the ouster of Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. Let's hear some more of what the new House Speaker, Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana, has to say in a sit-down interview with Greta Van Susteren. What did your wife say when you said you were going to run for this? Well, it wasn't our plan. Um, this was kind of a surprising uh, turn of events. It, everyone saw how the tumult of the whole speaker's race went. I tried to support Kevin McCarthy and supported Steve Scalise, my longtime friend and brother from Louisiana, and then Jim Jordan, who's kind of been my mentor in Congress. And uh, when all of that sort of fell apart, um, we stepped forward. I was nominated by my colleagues, and we ultimately wound up with a unanimous vote. And that's a, a great uh, 
blessing, a great privilege, a great honor, but also, as you noted, a great challenge. We're also very different. You're different than Speaker McCarthy. The job's going to be different for you. How do you compare and contrast uh, your speakership to Speaker McCarthy? Well, the jury's still out. Um, I, I learned a lot by watching uh, Kevin. I think he did a, a great job in a, in a lot of areas. We're kind of different. I'm, I'm sort of a, a, a policy wonk. That's kind of my background. Uh, studied constitutional law, practiced that for years. So I have a little bit different interest in terms of the agenda and how that's developed and move forward. I think our personal styles are, are similar. He, Kevin's a people person. He just got along with everyone, enjoyed that part of the job, and I do as well. So it's a balance. Um, I think I have a lot of empathy uh, for, for people that's been developed over my life and in my journey, my path. And that helps in this arena because it helps you to sit down with people who may have different preferences, for example, on legislation. But when you get to the thing that unites us, it's our core principles. And I think that's the real path forward, not just for us here in the House, but for the party at large as well. I think we prevail because our principles are the ones that advance liberty and opportunity and security for more people. When you're a congressman, you represent about 700,000 people, and that's a different job than being speaker because you're not only the head of your party, but you, get the, you have the whole house of representatives. Um, how do you anticipate being able to, to unify them to get some legislation passed? Because you have such a narrow margin. We have a very narrow margin. Uh, as of this afternoon, it will go to a three-vote margin because we're swearing in a new Democrat who was elected in a, a special election in Rhode Island. Um, so it's one of the smallest margins in the modern era. And so what it requires in a situation like that is that you genuinely build consensus. You use goodwill, you establish trust, and uh, you work with your colleagues to, to find that, that, that area where you can move the ball forward and advance your principles. Um, some of this will be bipartisan by, by its very nature. The numbers require that. I have good relationships with Hakeem Jeffries and building one with Senator Schumer and people on the other side of the aisle as well. Uh, because there are things that unite us, and there should be as Americans. I mean, we, we see the world very differently. The two-party platforms have a wide chasm between them now, uh, but they're good people that serve here, and I think they genuinely have the country's best interest at heart. The leaders do, and, and so that'll be my, my challenge is to work with all of them uh, to, to keep this thing going forward. We have a lot of extraordinary challenges on our, on our plate. A lot of extraordinary challenges on our plate. So this is really the first big test for Mike Johnson. He will be under extreme uh, scrutiny. Johnson, in a candid interview with Greta Van Susteren, he certainly is going to have a tough job working with his own party first, as you heard from Gates, and then getting Democrats on board. It's going to be a long week on Capitol Hill. Could go into the weekend again if they're going to avoid a shutdown of the federal government, which is why the House voted yesterday to set aside a bid from Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We talked about that in depth last week. Greta asked Speaker Johnson about that as well. Is he going to stay in his job, do you think? We'll see. I mean, I have been on record many times. I served on the House Judiciary Committee. We have oversight over his department. He's been in front of me under oath on multiple occasions. I've been very clear with him. I told him the last time he was before us, which is probably two or three months ago, that I said, I'm not actually sure what you do at the Department of Homeland Security other than great harm. I believe he's done it since the day he walked in the door. And, and I believe those probably are impeachable offenses. Um, there's a deliberate process. There's a, a due process that, goes, process that goes along with this. Um, next to a declaration of war, impeachment is arguably one of the heaviest powers that the House has. And so we have to do it in the right manner. But um, the, the evidence that's built up against Mayorkas is so complete. I think he's probably one of the worst cabinet secretaries 
on the evidence, objectively speaking, in the history of the country. Um, he's opened the border by intentional policy decisions and all the terrible societal ills that come from that. So um, our, our Homeland Security Committee has done a very deliberate, drawn-up process, building the record, building the evidence. It is a five-phase process. They're in the fifth phase right now. And so it, we'll have to figure out how all this fits into the sequence. But um, I understand the angst of our members. I, I share it myself. And the American people really want something done on that border. And, and this is an important gesture. Impeachment, one of the other issues, impeachment, of course, is President Biden. But we're coming up on an election, and the American people will get to vote on that, yay or nay. Um, are you in favor of going forward on that? I know that you want the process to play out. Yeah, I mean, impeaching a president is the nuclear option. And, and I, I lamented so greatly when the Democrats during the Trump administration abused the process and they opened this Pandora's box. It was a terrible development. I said a thousand times on video that that was the case. I was on the impeachment defense team twice for President Trump, and I thought it was so outrageous what they did. So what under our leadership, under the House Republican leadership, what we've done is the way it's supposed to be done. It's a slow, deliberate process where you uncover the evidence and then you follow the truth where it leads. And that's what we've done. I think our chairman of the committees of jurisdiction and oversight, uh, Comer and Judiciary, Jordan, and then Ways and Means, Jason Smith, They've done an extraordinary job, and um, that evidence has built up, and it is substantial. We know that the president has lied about his knowledge of his family's shell companies, getting millions of dollars from foreign adversaries. The list goes on and on. There's a couple of dots left to connect, but I think the subpoenas you've seen have gone out now uh, to the Biden family themselves, and I think we'll get that remaining evidence, and then we'll have to sit and evaluate and follow the truth where it leads, because we have a constitutional responsibility to do that. It's not whether I think it's politically advantageous or not. We have to do our duty under the Constitution. Well, there you go. He thinks Secretary Mayorkas may be the worst Homeland Security Secretary ever, and the evidence against President Biden and members of his family is substantial. That from House Speaker Mike Johnson. Yesterday, another subpoena was issued to former White House counsel Dana Remus to appear for a deposition and also requested transcribed interviews from several other officials about President Biden's handling or the administration's handling of documents. And the U.S. Supreme Court adopted a new ethics code yesterday in the wake of several recent ethics scandals. The nine justices all signing on board to a new code of conduct. It's 14 pages long. That's a lot of conduct. But then again, you are a justice of the Supreme Court. It outlines what they should and should not be doing ethically as lifetime appointees to the high court. And I am one that thinks maybe they shouldn't be lifetime appointees. All right, you can keep up with all the news on Newsmax. It's available on AT&T, Comcast, Verizon, Spectrum, Cox Cable, Xfinity, Fios, and many others. The list goes on and on and on. It's also on your favorite streaming platforms like Apple TV, Amazon, Roku, and others. And be sure to sign up for the new Newsmax Plus if you haven't already. Go to NewsmaxPlus.com. That's Newsmax Plus. PLUS.com. Sign up for a free trial. It includes all your favorite Newsmax shows. Oh, by the way, as I wrap this up, the stock market is surging. A much better than expected core reading on inflation earlier this morning. They're saying it's the best reading since September of 2021. So that's more than two years ago. Dow Jones Industrial Average is up about 350 points. The NASDAQ up over 200 points. That is at the time of this recording. But that is much needed good news. 
Thank you, as always, for listening to the Newsmax Daily. Be sure to check out some of the other great Newsmax podcasts as well. I'm Tony Marino. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and keep on fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.